<clears throat> Where do people turn today to find answers to life's problems? Well, it kind of depends upon which problems you're talking about, right? What kind of problems? But depending upon the kind of problem that you're looking for an answer for, uh, you know, someone's problem may take them to a neighbor or a close friend or a relative they respect. It may take them to a doctor or the child's school teacher or a counselor or maybe even to the police for help. Another type of a problem may have someone going to a computer expert, an auto mechanic, a termite inspector, an insurance agent, or a family lawyer. Now, it could be that as I was mentioning those different places where you find answers, <clears throat> uh, it could be I did not mention the place where you usually go or what you were thinking of as I asked that question. But my point was to just name a lot of places that we go today for answers in our modern American lifestyles. And the reason I say this or started this way is because in our Bible passage this morning, James, the half-brother of Jesus, is telling these Jewish Christians, those who have converted to Christianity, where they should turn when they run into life's difficulties and life's circumstances. And so he tells them where they should go, but his answer is a bit different, a little simpler. Now what I'm going to do is, at the beginning here, is read through the passage we're going to be looking at. It's only six verses. <clears throat> and in those six verses, we're going to encounter a word that is mentioned seven times, either in the noun or verb form. Uh, and then there's also another word that's real similar, so you almost say eight times, and that will clue us into where the Bible is pointing us to find help in life. But going with James chapter 5, Starting with verse 13, we're going through 18. It says, give you a second to turn there if you have your Bible. It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. 
Now, I think you notice that the word pray or prayer was in there seven times, and you had the word praise if you're happy. Now, for the most part, <clears throat> these Christian converts, as I've kind of mentioned before, grew up in Jewish homes outside the land of Israel because the Israelites were moved out of their land at different times during their history, and not everybody came back to the land. And as we follow the Gospels, we will see that the spiritual, well, as, as we have followed the Gospels, we, we see that the spiritual fervor in the land of Israel was not very strong. People weren't seeking God very uh, consistently or fervently. And those were the people inside the Jewish homeland. And now we've been talking about Jewish people who have turned to Christ that are outside the Jewish homeland. And so James has been talking to them, as we have been seeing through the book of James, for, with very, very basic Christian uh, principles and matters of Christian faith. And here he's talking to them about where to turn for help in their daily lives. So what should Christians do, followers of Christ, as we face life circumstances? Well, let's go back again to verse 13. <clears throat> Is anyone among you in trouble? He means just all different kinds of troubles. That word can be used for a different kind. Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. When we think of trouble, it could be any one of a number of things, right? Or it could be any two of a number of things. Or we could just keep going down the list, right? But it's facing difficulties of different kinds. Often our first thought is to go to the expert or the person who could help us with that problem. And that's pretty logical, isn't it? You find the person that is the expert at the problem you're facing, whether it's a people problem, money problem, car problem, whatever it may be, that just seems to be the reasonable thing to do. But James would say, pray first. Isn't that something? Pray first. Before we call the plumber or the financial advisor or the tech genius, why not pray? And I'm not suggesting that we pray that the computer is healed miraculously or the air conditioner. I'm thinking, turn to God first to guide your steps and to help you enter into this process of finding a solution and making a decision in what, which way you should turn, that he could help you reach the right person to order your steps help with the financial burden. You know, when a child is sick, pray first. Or if he's really sick, you know, one pray, the other one call the doctor. An unexpected bill, pray first before you freak out, before you, you, you lose consciousness or whatever. That God will help you make this decision and calm your mind and enable you to think clearly. James, really, here's what we're saying. James is encouraging these Christians 
to invite God into their lives and into their circumstances through prayer. You know, prayer is a major, enormous gift from God to us. Prayer, our connection to God, it allows us to develop a relationship with God. Jesus saw prayer as something extremely important, something that just kept him going, <clears throat> that strengthened him. He was strengthened when he prayed. And then <clears throat> James says, and then when something good happens, offer praise to God. So we're bringing God into our lives on a more consistent basis. You know, prayer and praise, it's really, it adjusts our thinking to reality. Because God is real. We don't see him, his being, the Father, <clears throat> but he is present for us. He is very real. We have to think beyond what we can see. You know, the, the Christian faith is walking by faith. He's present for us. Now, many will scoff at that thought, many outside the church, and some will even fight against it ferociously, trying to prove with all their might that God is not real. But they are denying reality. It's like when one atheist said, <clears throat> if he would just show himself. But the psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God. <laughs> How can you, you can't miss him if your heart has anything decent in it. But when you go to God in prayer and go to him in praise, you are accepting reality. You are setting your mind according to what is real. And the Bible says that it is the truth that sets us free. So praying and praising should be a very basic part of our lives according to what's right, what's real. Now, 14 and 15, we look at those again. <clears throat> it says, he's bringing, he's telling them to bring God into another area. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Now, calling the elders of the church to pray and anoint with oil during a time of illness is not the way that we normally think of responding to sickness in our modern American lifestyle, is it? Some do, but it's not the normal way or just the average way. We call the doctor right away. <clears throat> but James says, call the elders of the church, have them pray and anoint you with oil, and you will get well. Or, if the illness is due to some sin in your life, then you can receive forgiveness. Now, I believe there's a few things that, you know, a few considerations we need to make when we're looking at this. Uh, back in this day, and in this context, professional medical help was not easily accessible. You remember the days of Jesus when he went around and just healing 
hundreds and hundreds of people. You know, they just couldn't get to the doctor just as nearly as easily as we. And some places today, they can't get to the doctor as easily as we can. <clears throat> and then, you know, we had this friend that was a uh, missionary pilot. And he was over in, uh, you know, the Philippines and places like that. And he oftentimes would take a sick child to the doctor in his plane. And that's the only way that the child had a chance. So <clears throat> that is one factor to take into account, is that then it was much more a normal way of, in a sense, medicine. And, you know, I also don't believe James is talking about a very minor illness like the common cold or something that you just know that the, the person will get over that with sleep and nourishment. So I don't think he's talking about that. But here's another factor, because he says, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. <clears throat> The thing about this is, one thing is, he's not telling them not to see a doctor. He doesn't say, don't see a doctor, just go to the Lord. Some groups today, some religious groups, say that it is wrong to go to a doctor because of verses in the Bible. But James really isn't saying that. He's just speaking according to their culture. And what James is doing throughout the passage, as we have said, is that he's, in, he's telling his people to bring God into all matters of their lives. Troubles, happiness, sickness, everything. Turn to your heavenly Father. <clears throat> now, here's an example in our own church and in our family. When Carmen was, you know, seriously, seriously sick with pneumonia, of course, we were praying but we went to the doctor when we, we thought, oh boy, this is looking really bad. And then while she was in the doctor, in the hospital, two elders came and prayed for her. So <clears throat> they don't cancel out one another. You know, we need to pray for sickness, for happiness, for sorrows. You know, we need to pray. We need to bring God into it. But... He's not telling us to seek modern medical help either. But what about this oil? Well, you know, oil was used for both health and religious purposes and even more for beauty treatments, that sort of thing. And even today, it's the same thing. <clears throat> and oil was used as a means of consecration. So it was used on priests. The priests would touch their fingers and earlobes and toes and things like that as they were being kind of like consecrated to God as special servants of God. Kings were anointed with oil. Sometimes special guests were poured, had oil poured over their heads. <clears throat> um, but James seems to be using it as a means of consecration, like you are pouring oil on this person or, or touching oil to this person as though you're helping that you're, you're consecrating that person to God for his healing. And so I see nothing wrong with that or 
Not that we shouldn't do that. Maybe, you know, that would be a good thing to do. He says the prayer offered in faith will make the person well or bring forgiveness to the one whose illness is due to sin. But then what if the person isn't healed after the prayer and anointing? Well, then, of course, you need new elders. <laughs> now, here, here's the way I see it. I think there are some things we have to add into here just for life's sake. We all are going to die sometime, right? Unless the, la- the rapture comes and, and takes us. <clears throat> because, and the Hebrew says, it's appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. So we are appointed to die. We are creatures that are weak in a sense because of sin and because of our frailness and we are heading towards death. So I don't really think if you follow this, you're going to keep somebody alive to 200, 300, 400 years as you just keep calling the elders in whenever they have a problem. I think, you know, we wouldn't even think that, want that. I mean, everything would wear out, right? So you just assume that there are some logical limitations on this. Now, here's another consideration. When we read of healings in the Bible, the ones we read about with Jesus and the apostles and Elijah and Elisha, just to name a few, they're usually instantaneous, miraculous, dramatic healings. And the purpose behind them was to um, show that these These people were people of God giving out the true message, the apostles and Jesus, that he was the Messiah, that the apostles were carrying the true gospel message, that they were being empowered by God and the Holy Spirit. And so that was the purpose for those miracles. But here we have already a believer calling the spiritual leaders of the church to come and pray over them as a sick person for healing. And James says... that the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well or bring forgiveness to the one, and I'm sure he means if the person is repentant, will bring forgiveness to the one who has sinned if they call the elders and they anoint them with oil. But he doesn't say here that it will be immediate. So I think what James is doing is he's bringing God into just our regular parts of life so that as we bring the elders and the leaders of the church and we're praying, we want to add prayer to everything. We want to bring God into everything and allow him to do the healing that he decides is, is the thing to do. So I think it's a good step of faith to do that. Healing of the person recovering from his illness. Turning to God in all circumstances. And we're asking, as we pray over these people, we're asking, God, have mercy on this person. Help his body recover. And I think that's a good thing for us to be doing. But then, we also have to take into account <clears throat> that there are some prayers that, we're, that we know from the Bible, some prayers for healing and health that, that did not 
God chose not to answer. And you have the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> and he had this, this thing that was really hindering his ministry. He said it was a thorn in the flesh, so it was something physical. That's what thorn in the flesh uh, tells us. It seriously hindered him. He said it was a messenger of Satan to torment him. So it must have been something pretty bad. And he said on three different occasions, he went to the Lord and prayed for God to have it removed. And so <clears throat> I'm, I'm imagining that Paul went maybe, maybe went away for a whole day and just prayed for God and maybe did that three different times. I don't think he said, please, please, please. I think he, he made it a serious effort for God to have it removed. And I believe that when Paul did that, it says here, a prayer offered in faith. I believe it was a prayer offered in strong faith, knowing that God could do this, because Paul knew what God could do. And I, I can imagine Paul saying, Lord, if you would just take this away, I could reach so many more people. I could do so much more for you. I could go so much longer without having to stop and, and, and rest myself from this illness, from this, this hindrance. And God told him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And God is saying, no, you already have enough. I'm not going to take it away. My power has its full effect through your human frailty and weakness, that, this that I gave you. And Paul tells us elsewhere that God gave him a weakness because he was taken up to the third heaven and he was seeing things that nobody else has ever seen, no human being, and came back. And he said to keep him humble, God gave him this, this thing from Satan. So <clears throat> not every prayer for healing, you know, has God decided to answer, to answer in, in the way that we're thinking. And then in Paul's second letter to Timothy, he said he had to leave a, a, a faithful helper behind Trophimus in Miletus because he was sick. <clears throat> and so you, you know he probably prayed for him to get over his sickness so he could travel with him and be a great help to him in his ministry. But he had to leave him behind. So we know even in the Bible, even among God's top servants, healing wasn't always, a prayer for healing wasn't always answered. But James, again, James is telling his people to turn to God in all matters of life. In times of difficulties, financial, marriage, family, work, turn to God for help. Turn to him in times of happiness, for gratitude, to rejoice in God, to come closer to God. Turn to him in times of illness, <clears throat> having people pray for you. Now I want to read the last three verses. 
as he sums up with some very important points, very key points. <clears throat> Therefore, and, and this, is, this is how he wants the body of Christ to be operating, functioning. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Here's an example. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. <clears throat> as James sums up this matter, he wants them to become followers of Christ who seriously help each other as fellow children of God. He wants us to become people who make major differences, gigantic differences in each other's lives. He doesn't want us to be just separate individuals who happen to come to the same church to worship, but people who really get into each other's lives, help and healing. He says, confess your sins to one another. <clears throat> People who help each other grow closer to God, to become stronger in the Lord. That's what we're here for, isn't it? To help each other. And, and God made it that way, so he works through humanity. Uh, kind of an amazing thing, you know, to share the gospel, to build people up, pray for each other's problems and shortcomings as we confess our sins and our faults and our weaknesses. want others to experience God's forgiveness and healing. Just think if that was going on all over the place. What a church, huh? I mean, that's real body action. That's serious ministry. <clears throat> of course, our culture kind of goes against that, doesn't it? We kind of just kind of keep to ourselves. And so church is kind of countercultural in many ways. And then as we help each other grow stronger in Christ, our prayers become more powerful and effective. <clears throat> Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. <clears throat> the more we are healed of our sins and hurts and hang-ups, the more our prayers become powerful and effective. The more spiritually mature we become through interaction with each other, the more our prayers can become powerful and effective. And then the more we can help each other. It just kind of builds itself up. And that's what the body of Christ is all about, isn't it? Now, what's this thing about Elijah praying that it would not rain, and then it didn't rain for three and a half years, then he prayed it would, and the heavens gave rain, and they had bumper crops? <clears throat> well, James is saying that Elijah was made up of the same material as we are. He was a human being, ordinary human being, but yet God empowered him and used him in his prayers in very powerful ways beyond humanity. 
His prayers were powerful and effective. And he was God's prophet during a time in Israel's history when you had King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, two of the wickedest people in Israel's history. And they led Israel into horrific sin. It was rampant idolatry, and they were murdering God's prophets and much more. <clears throat> and God used the prayers of Elijah at that time to stop the rain for three and a half years, and it really stopped the, the horrible things that King Ahab and Queen Jezebel finally got rid of them. Of course, it doesn't mean God will have us pray droughts upon our land, does it? See, it's all according to who we are, where God has us, and what his plan is. But it means that as we grow closer to God, as we become more like Christ, he can use prayers in amazing ways in our realms of service, in the place he has put us, in the people he has put us with. And we can be great help to each other with powerful and effective prayers. And you know what, he said, what he's saying here most specifically <clears throat> is how these Christian converts can engage in powerful and effective prayers for each other. And God can make their prayers powerful, powerfully effective in each other's lives. Just like Elijah's prayers were powerfully effective in his situation. How would you like to be part of a church full of powerful and effective prayer warriors where we regularly pray for each other's troubles, where we regularly praise God for others' answered prayers, where we feel safe enough to confess our sins to one another and pray for each other in those areas of weakness, where we watch one another gain more and more freedom in Christ while we, as we turn to Christ, fear lessens and becomes less a part of our lives and faith becomes a bigger part of our lives because of each other. Where we see marriages strengthened and healed and enemies reconciled and neighbors coming to Christ. Where we see... <clears throat> people being freed from addiction and other sinful habits, and people visiting each other in their homes to pray over them in sickness. <clears throat> Basically becoming people of powerful and effective prayer lives. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't ever happen here. I know it does happen here. But what if it became the hallmark of our church? or any church? And then what if it reached others outside our church as we prayed for hurting people? Pray for those who do not know the Lord. It all begins with prayer, bringing God into every area of our lives. <clears throat> and, and the way I see it is, whenever we're going to do something, some project, new job, you know, whatever it is in life, if we just attack it with prayer, if we just fill it with prayer, even if you know three months ahead of time, just be praying and praying 
so that God can have his way and work in that situation, whatever it is. <clears throat> if you're going to be talking to somebody, if you're going on a trip, if you're going to be getting together with people, if you, you, you know, whatever it is, marriage, dating life, new job, just be asking people to pray for you. And we don't, we don't want to see it as a burden. We want to see it as just an opportunity to help people. Living according to reality, because God is there, and he wants to help, and he works through us, and as we pray, we, come, we become closer to God. And then he can use us in powerful and effective ways. <clears throat> You know, we read books of people used by God in amazing ways. <clears throat> and sometimes they're people that are well-known, Billy Graham, Bill Bright. And then sometimes you find a book of someone who's not well-known, and God has used that person in really remarkable ways. And when you read what they did or accomplished for God, it really startles you. And you tend to think that those people are extra gifted by God or that they have something the average person doesn't. But James is saying we can all have that powerful and effective ministry through prayer if we keep inviting God into our lives. <clears throat> and we can do that without having to become a Christian celebrity. We can bring, become people who bring God into every area of our lives, have powerful and effective prayers, and just still lead a normal life. And if it becomes catching or infectious, one person to another, what a church. Church full of powerful, effective prayer warriors. Many who never became famous but do great work for the kingdom of God. And it all begins where we, when we're facing life circumstances, <clears throat> and instead of just to the expert, first to God. Let's pray. Lord, we, in our society, we are taken away from you as, as a daily friend, a daily person, a daily uh, helper because of just having so much at our fingertips. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to be more intentional in inviting you into every part of our lives and that we could grow closer to you through it and then help others do the same and become uh, effective warriors of prayer, powerful and effective. We pray for your help in this and your guidance in Jesus' name.